let's return to Westchester Eye on the Radio with Peter Moses on 1460 WVOX. Hello, everybody. This is Charlie, and you're listening to Westchester Eye on the Radio on WVOX. Our guest is Mimi Roca, candidate for Westchester County District Attorney. You have a stellar resume, Ms. Roca. I can tell you from reading some of your background materials, any parent would love to have a kid with your credentials. You went to Harvard University. You went to NYU Law School. You were an assistant U.S. attorney. You worked in the a bunch of different jobs in the uh, Southern District of New York, uh, assistant U.S. attorney for 16 years. I mean, it's just just phenomenal. You worked for the, the whitest of white shoe law firms, Cravath, Swain, and Moore, as a litigator. I mean, you've done some amazing high-level things. Are you working for her? Well, no, I'm about to oh, turn a corner okay. here. So, <laughs> so, but Westchester County District Attorney is quite a different job, and I didn't even mention that you are on the national stage as a commentator on MSNBC. Westchester County District Attorney is a different office. I've been to the Westchester County Court. It's a high volume place. There's a lot of small ticket crimes, criminals, people who are accused of murder and God awful things. And a lot of them are poor and they have terrible representation. And it's uh, it's a little bit of a meat factory. Why would you want to go from the legal life that you've enjoyed to that? Well, um, I mean, while I, I understand your uh, description of my resume a little bit, you know, really, I've, I've been in public service my practically my whole life. My stint at that law firm was about nine months long. Other than that, I've worked in the criminal justice system uh, since, frankly, before I even went to law school. And for 16 and a half years, I was a federal pro- prosecutor, during which time I was very much part of, uh, you know, a world that you describe. I mean, you know, criminal justice is criminal justice. And I... Uh, have prosecuted cases, worked on cases from everything from, uh, you know, minors who were sex trafficked to mobsters. Uh, in fact, spent a large part of my career working on organized crime work. Uh, so, you know, I, I, uh, being a public servant in the criminal justice system is, is something that that I have done, actually, in contrast to the current district attorney, who has really only been, uh, you know, in a prosecutor's office for the past three years. Um, I, in fact, led the Westchester division of the U.S. attorney's office for five and a half years under pre Ferrara. And during that time, I worked very closely with the Westchester district attorney's office. Uh, for most of that time, it was under Janet DeFiori, but then for about a year of that time, it was um, under the current district attorney. So I've worked closely with the people in that office. I've also worked with both law enforcement all across Westchester. You know, in Westchester, there's not so much of a division between federal, state, local, county law enforcement. Everyone kind of works together. That's the that's one of the great things I think okay. about this county. Okay, so that's um, a, so, so you're, I've worked you're making... with them. I've worked with victim services groups. I've worked on the opioid crisis. Um, I helped form the Westchester Anti-Trafficking Task Force, which is a county, state, and federal task force. So. This is where my passion is. That's why I want to work at the DA. So she has Westchester bona fides. That's I think her point is that Charlie, that she has Westchester bona fides. I I hear that. You know, I am (laughs) curious about one detail that I wasn't able to pick up. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Chicago. And when did you move to our area? 
Uh, I moved to New York, to the city, um, after college in about 1992, and have been here ever since. I still have my, my mother still lives in, in Chicago. She's, she's 90. Um, but, uh, and my, I live with my family now here in Westchester and, you know, this, this is my home. My husband grew up here. Um, so I'm very much a part of, of this community. And, uh, you know, like I said, being in public service has really uh, been my career and working on criminal justice issues and helping to both victims. I'm the daughter of a crime victim. My mother actually had been the victim of a rape when she was young, and it was um, never um, really addressed by the criminal justice system. And that was one of the things that inspired me to become a prosecutor in the first place. Um, And later in life, both of my parents were the victims of a violent home invasion, and I lived through that with them as a prosecutor. But the reason I stayed a prosecutor for so long is that I see the power and the discretion that prosecutors have, and I know that that has to be used in very careful and and fair ways with integrity. And so, one of the things that I want to bring to the to this office, we we mentioned some of the changes that I want to bring, is I want to take the politics out of the office. I think that you know this is an elected position, but it should not be a political office. One of right. the things we we talk about now that's happening at the federal level is how politicized my old Department of Justice is. Well, at at our level, the district attorney's office does not need to be. And so I, for example, am not taking donations from elected officials. I'm not taking donations from uh, police unions, from defense attorneys with cases in front of of my office, or from my own staff. These are things I think are a a way to set the tone right at the beginning before I even get there. This will be a non-political office. So that's... that's that's yeah. big. That's well. So this that that narrative is very big today. Nobody wants to be political. Everyone wants you know the entire world to be like a school board where it's the most political thing in the world. But nobody's political. So you've made a case that there's a path from federal prosecutor to local prosecutor. What will you do differently on guns? Um, well, so I think on guns we need to be more proactive in several ways about getting guns off the street. I am going to be, um, I already have put out actually a four-point plan, and I'll, I'll be putting out more ideas. But, for example, you know, when we talk about the red flag laws, which are, uh, you know, a, a huge piece of legislation that was passed, um, that the Democrats passed, which is very exciting, to help get guns out of the hands of violent people. Well, we need to reach out more proactively to domestic violence victims in particular, who are the ones who that is supposed to help and and can help flag people who are potentially violent who have guns. We need to work with the police departments closely, uh, give them guidance, perhaps a cheat sheet to give to domestic violence victims on every call, informing them that these laws exist now and how they can start this petition process, because the laws are no good if they're just sitting on the books. Okay. Uh, we also need to better inform people about safe storage laws. Most school shootings occur because someone, a young person, gets a, uh, a gun from, that was not safely stored within their own home. We need to make sure that's, that's one preventative measure we can take. Uh, I would join the District Attorney's Association 
uh, against gun violence, which meets regularly and exchanges ideas about how to proactively work against gun violence and getting guns off the street. I would have 24-7 gun buybacks anytime, anywhere. These are successful. There's no reason why we only have to do them uh, sporadically. Um, I just want to correct one thing. When I said take the politics of the office, I'm not talking about Democrat, Republican. I'm talking about a justice system that should be free from political interference. For example, there have been no public corruption prosecutions coming out of this DA's office. The only one that was done in Mount Vernon recently was done by the attorney general. I don't think that's because there is no... Uh, government waste or, or you know, uh, malfeasance going on in Westchester. I mean, I, I think that's just a naive thing to, to say. Well, so, while there know, was a police, uh, yep. there is absolutely a police corruption issue in Mount Vernon, and uh, that it could be uh, one of these situations where the city of Mount Vernon finds itself once again at the nexus, because, and it is political, because there's a high density of registered Democrats in Mount Vernon. Everybody knows it. Scarpino has roots in Mount Vernon. He started out there. I talked about it before you came on. Um, however, there are people who are saying that Scarpino has not moved quickly enough to address police corruption in Mount Vernon. What will you do differently on that? Well, I think, first well, of all, sh- about sh- setting... Uh, Mimi, I don't yeah, mean to interrupt you, but uh, that's a really good question, but one which you'd have to give a 15, 20-second answer, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's good. So what part of Chicago are you from? Uh, I'm from the city. Grew up in the city, uh, not far from uh, Wrigley Field, actually. Uh, my daughter went to NU, so I'm somewhat familiar with, with Chicago. So after the break. So after the break, yes. We're not going to talk about Chicago. I'm just, I just curious what part of Chicago is. <laughs> I understand. From. Right. Anyway, when we come back from the break, we're going to be finishing our conversation with Mimi Roca. And I have to be honest with you, I think that we could have used a second hour because there's so many things to talk about. We'll be back with Westchester Eye on the radio after this commercial break. Let's return to Westchester Eye on the Radio with Peter Moses on 1460 WVOX. Welcome back to the final quarter hour of Westchester Eye on the Radio. Um, Ardina, do you have any questions for Mimi Roca? Because you've been pretty quiet. Yes, one of my my question is that Scarpino is regarded as a progressive. He uh, he he's for bail reform. He also um, has made some very, very progressive moves. He has. He will not prosecute marijuana charges if it's two ounces or more. And you mean less. You mean how less. does your brand of progressivism, Mimi, compare to his? Um, so that's, that's a good way of putting the question. I mean, I don't think this is about labels. I think this is about substance. And, you know, while I understand that the current DA, um, you know, has, uh, I guess, at some point come in support of bail reform, uh, you know, I don't think that was always the case. But this isn't a contest about that. This is about substance. And I'll give you one example in particular. Conviction integrity is a huge part of criminal justice reform. The current district attorney says that he has a conviction integrity review unit. 
That is just absolutely not true. Um, a conviction integrity review unit must be a unit that is independent from the office and has people who are trained in reviewing uh, claims of actual innocence, which means innocent people who are in jail. And anyone who reads the papers or follows any, you know, knows that this is a thing that really happens and it's hugely important um, and consequential. Uh, we need it needs to be a unit that is advised by exonerees, advised by places uh, like, uh, you know, um, the Innocence Project. Um, there, there, there are criteria that have to be put forth ahead of time so that defense attorneys know how to apply and what the standards are. None of this exists right now in the Westchester DA's office. And I've heard the current district attorney say, well, we don't really have a, a big problem with this here in Westchester, unlike in the city. And, that, and that's just an absolutely irresponsible statement to make. And I think it reflects what I'm talking about of, of form over substance, uh, a, a difference in form and substance. What I've put forth, a proposal for a real conviction integrity unit, not just something that I can, you know, label on my website, but with real substance. Um, and, and, and it is a real problem here in Westchester. We've had cases of exonerees. Uh, we know that we have had uh, some law enforcement who's pled guilty to perjury. That's happened on more than one occasion, which means that every case they've ever touched is at risk uh, for us and, and needs to be reviewed in terms of whether they've been fair or prosecuted. So that's one example. I think it's easy for people to call themselves progressives and put labels on things. But what I see is, is quite a bit of window dressing, and I am more about actual substance. I also like like to follow up uh, to on Charles's question about about uh, sort of the glove the, the glove, white glove treatment of the corruption in Mount Vernon, which is very very important. I mean, it's a miracle at this point that that city hasn't gone into a receivership. So why has nothing been done about that? Well, uh, look, I can't answer why nothing's been done. I can tell you what I will do. And it's not just Mount Vernon, although I understand that, you know, that is, that is uh, something that people think of when we talk about um, issues that need to be deal with, dealt with in terms of corruption. But, you know, there, there's, uh, as a federal prosecutor in Westchester, I saw corruption all over this county. Some of it was dealt with at the federal level, but frankly, the DA's office is a better place to deal with it if you have an office that is is untethered to politics, that is has a leader who makes clear from the first day that, um, you know, they are not going to be um, sort of answering to anybody, that this is about other than the public that they serve and the communities, that this is about pursuing justice where you see cases um, and where you see that where the facts take you. And, uh, you know, we have to make sure that everybody and every case that comes before the office has the same treatment, that you're not afraid to, to take on uh, hard cases. And I think when you set that tone at the beginning uh, from the top down, that is that is how people feel comfortable bringing information to the office, sources of information. That's the way the prosecutors make cases, and that's the way you build cases. Do you, so th do I, you I think I that the county happened in the past, but I know it'll happen going forward? Do you think the county and the state have given enough funding uh, for the district attorney's office in the county of Westchester? And if not, uh, you want to start some new initiatives? Where would you find? Where would you find the money to do those things? 
Well, like with everything in government, you know, no one in government ever thinks they have enough money. That, that funding is, is, is never going to feel like enough. But it's all about priorities and efficiency. And I think there are ways we can make that office much more efficient. And I think we have to prioritize what I talked about at the very beginning of our conversation, what are the modern-day issues. So another example, there is a unit in the office that deals with cybercrime. Cybercrime plays into not just sex trafficking, as I discussed, but also hate crime. This is where, you know, where, where do we fight the, the, the white supremacist groups? We, we, we pursue them and fight them online. Well, this district attorney took away one of the prosecutors from the cybercrime unit and put her in the autocrimes unit. I mean, I know that just from looking at, at the chart because I'm familiar enough with the office and didn't replace that prosecutor with anybody. So in terms of priorities, I know our cars are important in Westchester, of course, uh, but, you know, you know, everybody drives. But you know what? Kids and hate crimes right now are where I'm going to put my money and my resources. So I think like everything else in government, it's about efficiency and prioritizing. How is your relationship with Letitia James? Do you know her at all? Only, you know, what I've read about her, seen about her, I, I have great respect for her because I think she's one of the people doing some of the things I'm talking about, which is, um, you know, using an office that's always been there and is, has been a good office, the Attorney General Office of New York, but she's using it in new and innovative ways in this time where we need people who are really going to stand up for the rights of immigrants, uh, stand up, you know, to make our system more fair and just, work on uh, you know, over uh, criminalization for, for black and brown people, uh, stand up for the rights of women and victims. And she, she's using her office in very innovative ways. And that's something that we can do in the district attorney's office as well. And I've talked about some of those today. I've known her, and Ardina has known her for decades. May I ask uh, a question? What, what, Ms. Rocco, what, what do you do? You know, you talk about progressive values as a, as a part of your uh, platform. Mm-hmm. What do you do if a community wants you to prosecute and it's in conflict with those values? Suppose there's an issue um, and the community and the community says, you know, some this is a problem around here. We we have a problem with um, y- y- homeless people, and we have a problem with uh, people sleeping in uh, uh, vestibules up and down Main Street, and we want you to prosecute these people. What do you do? Well, I mean, I don't I don't think that it would come to that because I mean, if we're talking about First of all, there, there's very little to prosecute in terms of a homeless problem, and, and I know you're just using an example, but most problems that I think would be, quote, in conflict with progressive values are going to be problems that are better dealt with outside of the criminal justice system, and that's something that as a district attorney you have to be on board with and you have to know how to bring in those other – I mean, someone asked me the other day, well, you know, most a lot of people who are – arrested really need mental health and uh, drug treatment. And right, those right. are in the prison system. So how are we going to, how are we going to get that for them if they're not being detained? <laughs> and of course, right. you know, and it was, it was a fine question, but the obvious answer is, well, we need to get those services out of the prison system, out of our jail system and into the communities. So well, I think m- when we have maybe we're, we're running out of time. Alternative- I'm sorry. Go, just finish. We're running out of time. Oh, just we need to have robust alternative to incarceration programs and and programs that partner with the community to deal with issues that are really um, societal issues at large and not criminal justice problems. Okay, well, this is what uh, Mimi Roca. Thank you very much. 
for appearing on the air. I, I would love I would love to have uh, to have you and Scarpino on the show, uh, and you both can air your points of view uh, before a live audience. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Absolutely. I've asked him to debate me, and I haven't heard back, so this would be a great opportunity. All right. Well, this is uh, the end of our show for today. Next week, uh, I don't know who our guests are yet, but we're going to have a great time. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank Bye you. now. Thank you. Bye.